just waiting to see if he's going to do it. I had it at two to one that you were going to start freestyling right away. Well, hey, I was just waiting for the invite. But listen, hey. I can appreciate the beat when it drops. Off the top of the dome, this real hip hop. Nate B, representing the West Coast, chilling on the podcast. My man, Left Co. Uh, the beat going. Yeah, your boy flowing. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to keep showing my ass. I'm going to pass on anybody. Keep tripping. And that's Nate Burleson. We start tipping. Hey! Now listen. My guy. I've been waiting for to have you in person for a long time. You are an energy person, and I we like we talked on the phone recently. Yeah, dude, you're fucking juiced right now. I'm I'm, I'm gassed, bro. I was on my roof today of my apartment, and I literally played the intro music just because I knew you were gonna freestyle, and I visualized it. Yeah, so I wanted it to fucking. Well, no, I appreciate it. I, I thought you had some intro plans. So I didn't want to step on your feet. No, but no, no. I'm no. just glad you had a beat because me and Mike Rob used to have the R&B podcast. And I would freestyle all the time. All the time. So, listen, I'm glad that you gave me the opportunity. Oh, to. we'll do it again later if you want. Hey, but I am juiced to be here, though. Okay, um, good, good. Because you know how social media can be this thing that you see people through this window and you can't feel their energy. Mm. But when I text you or yes. I look at what you're doing, it's not always on social media. Sometimes I see you on the biggest of all screens hey. watching you do your job. I can feel that energy, bro. So, like, being in person... It's like that times 10 right now. Welcome to the Speakeasy Podcast hey. with Nate Burleson. You, you've had a few podcasts. When, when was that? The, the Mike Rob podcast was... R&B was... The R&B was, I think, about four or five years ago when I right? was working in L.A. doing... But then Speakeasy was before that. That was before that. I, I was doing a little thing with Cliff Averill, and we were trying wow. to do the Speakeasy podcast because I wanted to go to all the Speakeasies where players played, but that's when I was still on the West Coast, and I wasn't mm. working five days a week in morning TV. We're going to get a lot into your path. I think it's been very interesting. I did a deep dive on a lot of stuff about you. I want to hear about your journey. Okay. I want to do a lot of conversations that are not you talking about football. That's great. But can I do a little bit in the beginning? No, that's great. We can talk about some football. Okay. Because I want to do a little bit in the beginning, and then I want to get into life. Everything's on the table. Okay. Everything. All right. Uh, the first thing that we need to talk about is a trend that's been going on, and the GOAT has spoken. The trend has been quarterbacks in the NFL chugging beer. Yeah. We've seen Trubisky. We've seen Mahomes. We've seen all of these guys go, and the one person that got embarrassed was Aaron Rodgers. Right. And Aaron Rodgers yesterday came out and dropped an absolute fireball. Yeah, I kind of said what I, what I said. You know, if you want to go scotch, I feel pretty good about it. As far as those other guys, you know, uh, you know, for some of them, there, there's finally a, a talent where they can, you know, they can say they're better than me at <laughs> <laughs> the GOAT has spoken. Aaron Rodgers, get him a scotch. But also, it's the truth. He's the greatest of all time. I know I stand by that. But yeah. what, have you been enjoying this trend? I have been. And you know what? Aaron, Aaron Rodgers was holding the L for a while. For a while. Uh, but I he, thought he was faking it. Yeah. I thought it was a whole, like... He's methodical. It's all strategic. He sips it slow. He does yes. his thing. Uh, he he kind of has that very dry sense of humor. So. Very. Uh, he was laughing inside, yes. knowing the cameras on him and the trend that's going around. Basically, like all of these other guys are tryhards. I'm not a tryhard, right? Um, but all of a sudden, he's Ron Burgundy. He's Mr. Scotch. I love it. Yeah, yeah. But listen, we got to talk. I'm a tequila talk. guy. You, what are you? Are you saying he's? I'm, I'm a tequila guy. If I want to turn up, I'm going straight to tequila. Yes. And while you were setting this up, I thought you were going to have some beer and we was going to chug it. But you know, we can do that at a different time. Yeah. Um, I but can't you just do said Aaron right Rodgers is 
the GOAT. Yeah, but I don't want to get into that right now. Okay, all so right. So I ranked move along. I ranked the quarterbacks in terms of beer chugging. Okay. I had Big Ben at number one. Okay. I had Brady at number four. I had like Baker at number five. Right. Last I had Kirk Cousins. Okay. I just felt like he'd be a guy that's like chug. We must enjoy things slowly as they pass over time. <laughs> and so what I, what I realized is it, it blew up and people were arguing, how is Carson Wentz 20? He grew up in North Dakota. They are, Why do you have Jimmy Garoppolo here? We love ranking the quarterbacks. Yeah. So I've decided that I'm going to do a new list each week. Okay. And I kind of want your initial thoughts on what my list will be this week. It's okay. going to be who would win in NFL quarterback hunger games. Oh. So as I say that to you, you're not going to impact my list. I'm okay. going to put it out on social media the next like Thursday or Friday. Yeah. What comes to your mind right away? Now, Hunger Games, you're talking just like hunt to the death? It's yes. Like so that old Ice T movie? Uh uh like the uh What's that movie? <laughs> I don't know, but he was getting hunted by like rich deer people. Deer Hunter. Yeah, and all okay. That. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, then right out the gate, um, cuz you need to be resourceful, you but be you resourceful. also need to be super athletic. Right. And you also need to have that killer instinct. I'm going to go with Cam right out the gate. Okay. Um, just because he's big, he's strong. He's like the quarterback version of the Predator. You know what about Cam is also a benefit? He's vegan, which means if he's out there in nature, he can mm. live off berries, foliage. He can foliage. live off of the land. Yep, so you're seeing what so I'm seeing. I'm, I'm going with Cam right out the gate. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm telling myself, go Russell Wilson, go Russell Wilson, go Russell Wilson. But... I'm not sure if he has that vicious side. I'm talking about, Agreed. you know, the blood spills out of the corpse and he, he puts it under his eyes like eye black. I'm not sure if he has that. But, I want that psychopath. But he's changed. This season he's gone from Russell Wilson to Russell Wilson. Oh, he's like he's like he, Stefan Arkell after the yes, machine. Exactly. Okay. Laying in the bed. <laughs> we with the, with the chains on. We don't go to sleep. Hey, the deal just got done. Getting cornrows. You know what I mean? Talk like, about it. Like, look, I had Martellus Bennett on here, mm -hmm. and I played it for him, and he was stunned. He's like, I've never seen this before. He was like, I am a noted hater of Russell Wilson. <laughs> I go, well, this is Russell Wilson. The other things that come to my mind, and as a dad, I believe that I automatically am going to move all quarterbacks that are dads higher. Because really? I believe they have an innate survival skill. No doubt. That something's triggered in your brain that hasn't triggered in my brain. Like, I won't die. Like, Philip Rivers has has seen some shit. Yeah, no doubt. You know what I mean? No doubt. And, and, and with all he of knows those... what it's like to have an army of people running at him. Yeah, it's it's one thing to like have one or two kids to live for. Like after that eighth bullet, he's like, I'm not gonna die. I got my tenth kid on the way. Like, yes, he's gonna keep keep fighting. Yeah, you know, I, I feel you on that. Okay, so you got those guys. Brady I, is up there again. Breeze. Breeze, I think, is one of those guys that's going to be – he's going to be one of the best tacticians. He'll know his strengths and weaknesses, and he won't go into open spaces. Kyler Murray is going to be overconfident. Yeah. I'm the fastest guy here. Yeah. You know, because Hunger Games is – He might get clipped off early. But I don't know about Brady. Brady's the GOAT in every realm of life. You know, yes. the wife, the job, the businesses, of course, football, the rings, the championships. But he's a big target, and he's slow. True. Now, he's a genius. And speed is a big part. And his IQ is through the roof, but – Speed is a big part of those. I mean, you can't hide out forever. Right. You know, it's kind of like Fortnite. Eventually, that 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 circle is going to close, and you got to you got to stay within the storm radius. Kirk Cousins is going to be higher for me because really? I kn I know that he doesn't have the killer instinct, but he may have been a Boy Scout, and thus he might know mm. how to start fires. Like no he doubt. seems like a guy. You know who's going to be amazing? He's real resourceful, Kirk Cousins. You that know who one. might be my number one? Who? Andrew Luck. 
He like, looks the part. He's just sitting there, and like you turn a corner, and he has an entire treehouse made. Yeah. But I don't know if he has the killer instinct. All right, I got to think about it. List will be coming out soon. Yeah, Andrew Luck looks like he. What about Carson Wentz though? North Dakota. North Dakota. He's a hunter. And he's a hunter. I mean, he can wear that camouflage, blend in with anything. I bet wow. you. And you know, he's he's, he's a religious man. So I feel like it's kind of like Avatar. After he kills his opponent, he prays. He's like, "Thank you for providing." Yeah, he does me. a proper burial. Yeah. Yeah. Which, as we've seen in Hunger Games, the smoke might go. So that's one right. of my NFL topics. I like I that. I want to get about. involved in those every uh, week. Serious NFL talk with you. Okay. When Calvin Johnson retired, yep. the Detroit Lions made him give back, I believe, a million dollars worth of his salary. Yep, right around there. It's the second time in the history of the Detroit Lions where one of their greatest performers was forced to give back money. Barry Sanders retired after nine yep. years, had to give back salary. Calvin Johnson retired after nine years, had to give back salary. And now the Lions come out and go, we'd love to have Calvin as a spokesperson to the team. Calvin responds, and I'd like to get my money. Yeah. One, what the hell were the Lions thinking? Mm -hmm. And two, what would you tell Calvin Johnson right now? Well, one, I'm not going to tell Calvin Johnson anything. I agree with them 100%. You guys know I'm a Lion through and through. Um, but I saw this coming. The writing was on the wall. It's funny how history repeats itself. Like, How do you approach a player, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, that gave you so much, and not just in the moment. Let's just think about the impact they have on this organization when it comes to selling their likeness, mm. the images, the videos, the jerseys, the Helping highlights. Helping build Stafford. Helping recruit players. Yes. Like, all of these different things come into play. So that million dollars... That chump change, bro. It pales in comparison to what Calvin is still bringing in to this team from a revenue standpoint. I remember when Calvin Johnson was thinking about retirement, and I was removed from the Giants. I mean, from the Lions at that point, and I, I gave him a call, and I'm like, "What's up, fam? How you doing?" I was in Arizona. It was sunny as hell, and I remember looking into the sun, squinting my eyes, and I'm like, "Yo, CJ, so what's up? What you gonna do?" And he's like, "I don't know, man. You know, as soon as I brought up the thought of retirement." there were rumors within the organization that I would have to pay back money. Wow. And just by the tone of his voice, I knew that he was done. He didn't tell me. He didn't confirm and say, I'm done. I'm walking away from the game. But when I hung up, I thought to myself, it's a wrap. Calvin won't play for the Lions again. We've talked about this before. When an athlete contemplates retirement, yeah. he's pretty much already there. Pretty much retired. Yeah. And it, it's one thing for me to contemplate it because... You know, I got a lot going on, and I'm thinking about is, the next chapter, right. or I'm at the end of my, my playing days. But the fact that somebody else makes you think about it Man. for issues that are financial-based, like, that's the ultimate slap in the face. Was for, it disappointment, sadness, anger? I, like, what I was... I think it was... I think it was first anger. Um, and Calvin's a machine. He's kind of like Kawhi Leonard. He doesn't show his emotions, mm. but it had to be some sadness. How because did. Calvin was this dude. Um, he would show up. Every single year, never complained, never talked about being traded, even though every team wanted him, yep. never mentioned the money, even though the team was going to pay him. Um, he was never a diva. He never showed up and said, you know, I need your quarterback to get the ball down. I mean, I dove for five straight balls and my body's beat up. My shoulder hurts. I'm I got being, torn ligaments. I'm being quadruple covered and I'm still doing what You're I need to do. You're throwing me medicine balls in the air and I'm, I'm sitting there saving the offense every third down. He never said that. He would come to practices and not have a small limp, 
that would go away after his body warms up, he would have a significant limp. Yeah, by like, the end, he was really beaten up. There were times at practices where, um, and this isn't making a joke to anybody that's uh, – disabled but you ever see somebody in the gym and you can tell they had like a really bad injury at some point in their life and there's this really bad limp maybe they have stiffness or a short leg or whatever it is a hip injury right calvin would limp through practice like that sometimes to the point one practice i cj what you doing bro Nah, i'm just trying to get through man you know being a leader i gotta i gotta show that i'm ready for this game this week i said and cj it's wednesday fam like You're good. He's like, nah, they want me out there. And that was their thing. They wanted all their starters out there so the starters can get a feel for the game plan. I walked over to Scott Linehan and I said, CJ's done. Like, he's done for the day. He needs to be in the training room. If we want a chance, like just a fighting chance to win the game, we need our best player healthy. I will do double time. I'll run my routes. And then when he has his plays where he's getting the ball, I'll run his routes. I'm good. And he said, oh, man, I didn't know it was that bad. He went and talked to coach. And I said, CJ, I walked over to CJ. I said, bro, I'm working it out with I them. I got you. Just walk off the field. Yeah. He walked off. And that was one of the moments where I think I realized just how much he was going through. Yeah. Physically and also mentally. Sure. That he was, he was so locked in and so sacrificial to his body for this organization. And I think he also realized, you know, how much I care about him. Because, like, I could care less about the touchdowns and right. game day. I wanted my man to be healthy. You're so in the room together. With all of that, I knew that he was done for. Even so much so, like, even I was angry. And it spilled out. I did an interview um, just about the receivers the following season. This is after he retired. And I said, you know, by the way, if I was making this list and Calvin Johnson was still playing, he'd be number one. He's that good, even though he's banged up last year. And then I said, oh, let me say something to Calvin while I'm doing this. And I think it was a piece that we ran on the NFL Network. I said, uh, come out of retirement and play for the Patriots and go win a ring. (sighs) And people got so mad at me. Michigan people. Right. Detroit Lions fans. They got mad at me. Hey, how could you say that? It's ridiculous. Like, you're one of the ones that we trusted. I can't believe that you would even insinuate that that would be a possibility. But they didn't know that I knew the backstory of, course. of what Calvin was dealing with. And it was me, you know, speaking on my frustration with an organization that didn't understand the grand scheme of things. Like, that's when somebody's thinking about the dollars and cents, but it don't make sense. You literally gave a speech about Detroit at the NFL draft that yeah. was so moving yeah. that it is plastered on the walls <laughs> in the Detroit Lions organization. Yeah. So what should the Lions do to make this better? Because you care about the Lions and you care about Calvin Johnson and they're at an impasse. What should they do? I feel like it should be um, it should be one of those cases that you hear about. um, But when it's all said and done, it goes away and we just hear that a settlement was made behind Um, closed doors, behind closed doors. Take care of them. Because in, in the NFL world, this is a hot case and we're all waiting to, to hear what the Lions are going to say and if Calvin Johnson is going to you know work his way back. And here's the thing about money. Sometimes money will turn people off to the point they can't turn their feelings back on. So the fact that Calvin Johnson is saying, you know what you need to do, yeah. that almost makes the Lions feel good in this situation. Like, hey, come out here to this facility. Let's talk. Here's some money. And we'll be good because you need him as an ambassador. Yes. The same thing happened to Barry. Barry, for a long time, yeah. Walked away from the game of football. Couldn't handle it. He just wasn't around, bro. Like, and for him not to be there, like, I remember him walking into the facility and it was like 
Prince walking in. It was like, damn, is that Barry Sanders? I was at an NFL PA Super Bowl party in San Francisco for Super Bowl 50. And all these NFL players are there and everybody's drinking and having a good time. And Barry was the man. Yeah. Barry, he had a nice little pot belly at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. He was very much in retirement, older guy. But when I saw him shaking hands with these young players, they glow. Yeah. Because nobody has a better highlight package than nobody. Barry Sanders. Nobody. 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 I, I wanted to get fixed. My, my take has always been the Detroit Lions did Calvin Johnson wrong. I think it's a very easy fix, which is I would give him $2 million. Yeah. I'd say here's an extra million for inconveniencing you. Yeah. And it was not for it was there was no foresight there. No doubt. You need to write that wrong. No doubt. For the fans, for him, and also like just see the bigger picture. The bigger picture. Like you're an NFL organization. You got it. And that's it. The bigger picture. Now he, he comes back, you give him two million dollars. Not only is he an ambassador, but maybe he comes back more often. He's part of the organization. He's, yeah. he's in the front office. Like he's he in goes Mi- into the wide receiver room. He's in Michigan a ton. He has a lot of business going on out there. Yeah. And he does things with the community. It's like, how is he there talking to kids but not talking to the team? That's the Lions' fault. Another wide receiver, and this is going to be my last NFL news nugget before we get into you. It's all good. Is I am having an issue Mm -hmm. with – I've always had an issue with the way Odell Beckham Jr. is covered. Okay. But I'm having an issue right now with covering Odell Beckham. I will never get angry at a star player not showing up in May. The Patriots won the Super Bowl. Brady wasn't there in May. Right. The year before, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Fletcher Cox wasn't there in May. Yeah. Super Bowls are not won in May. I remember playing in Seattle and Walter Jones. Uh, oh, my. Famously, never showed never up. showed up. Ever. And came and bodied dudes at camp. Like, bodied them. Guys that are super elite, it's not that they don't need it. They have their own system. No doubt. Odell has trainers with them. Odell right. has the playbook. He's right. doing all this. I always have an issue with Odell. My thing is this, though. I don't worry about fans eventually in Cleveland getting upset with Odell. It's bound to happen. Something's going to happen. I'm looking at the relationship of Baker and Jarvis and Odell, and that's where I think it can get tricky. Yeah. Working with family and friends is a scary thing. No doubt. Because the job can carry over to your personal life. Baker Mayfield just came out and called out Duke Johnson saying... I love Baker. I love him to death. I didn't yes. like that. I didn't like that, though. Okay. I didn't like that. I had, a, I had a take today on the show, and I think the reason these young guys respect me is because I'll praise them like crazy. Right, right, I'm, right. I'm, I'm part of the fraternity. But when I have to say something, I'm bold enough to say it and then see an offseason and be like, yeah. Yo, how did you feel about what I said? The reason I didn't like it is because he said, it's not awkward. It's not awkward at all. Um and then the reporter, why? Why isn't it awkward? Duke Johnson has a situation. He wants to be traded. He was on the blocks before. And he said, no, it's all self-inflicted. If he doesn't want to be here, he doesn't want to be here. You know, Baker goes into the whole, mm. if you're not on the ship, then you're, you're getting ran over kind what of thing. What he said about Hugh Jackson. Same, Same thing. thing. And a part of me, when I listen to the sound, it's like, damn it. I love Baker for that. Right. Like, that's right. I get all excited. Because you're either with us, you're against yeah, us. Yeah, I love that. Because yeah. a lot of guys should do it for the check. Yeah. He's literally doing it for the logo. Still but, got that college feeling. Of- still, yeah. But then again... I'm like, Baker, what if next year it's Jarvis or Odell? Or what if five years from now it's you? And you're saying, man, I'm I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the league and they're not paying me like Russell Wilson and I'm better, I'm younger, I I got more numbers. Look at what I did over the first five years. It always happens, right? Every quarterback has been in a situation. And if a teammate came out and was like, yo, man, you're doing too much. Just just take the money you got. You signed it. You, it's all self-inflicted. Like, it's not awkward. It's awkward for you. You're the quarterback. Take the money. Like, 
now the roles have reversed. Yes. Because here's the thing. And it always gets reversed. It Nate. always gets reversed. There is no, it will happen. There's no situation where Baker Mayfield is going to get the first offer the team says, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll take it. Right. He's going to be in the same situation as Duke Johnson, different type of money, different situation. Yes. But I'm just saying be careful because – this could happen to you. That's what I said today on the it's show. It's going to happen to Odell like a year or two. Odell's going to want another contract, and then what's Baker going to say then? But my thing is, I love that Freddie Kitchens last week comes out and says, Odell's missed a lot, the offense. And then yesterday after the first practice, he goes, man, Odell picked up the offense really well. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. But it's the way in which we talk about Odell and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something that I, I am openly rooting for Odell yeah. always. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing people talk about Odell the way they talked about Young Iverson, which is it's not attacking him. The people that he hangs around with yeah, are a circle. Now, sh- he's Odell fucking Beckham. In he's my a, mind, other a, than Tom Brady, he's the most famous player in the league. He's a rock star, fam. He can go into Lewis Hamilton's booth at uh, in Monaco and watch an F1 race, and yeah. he's more famous than the racer. No doubt. But... And I want, like, he's 20-whatever years old. I want him to experience these things in life. And I don't know if I'm worried about the people that he's around, if that's just this media creation, but I know that I'm frustrated with the media. And I know I'm frustrated with the fans. Because you really think Odell's not giving a shit? He's the most competitive dude. You know him really well. I do. I'm just curious about your notion of how we talk about Odell. You know, it's funny because... I spoke on Odell when I first started covering him from a fan's perspective. Um, and then I ended up exchanging information with his mom, and we kept in contact. Sure. And then I, I ended up doing his camp, which was the first time we really got to hang out with each other, aside from seeing each other on the wear carpet. I saw the gram of you guys kind of on, your, like on, your, on the ground together talking and all right. that. Yeah. Right. So, um, but then recently, something happened over the last year where we actually exchanged information. Um, and for a while, like I knew his mom never asked for anything. Right. I never hit his mom like, yo, I need the scoop. And I think she respected that and sure. Odell respected that. Um, but more recently, we've had these conversations about life, about football. And he is a very, very passionate dude. And I wouldn't trade that in for anything. And when he talks about how he's perceived, it messes with him. And, and, How could it not? And, and it, you know, that's the thing. Like, we assume that football players are just rock stars and they deal with it and it comes with the territory. Don't right? look at your mentions. It's what you sign up for. Nah, fam, when you do care, you can't just care. It's like a light switch. Like, it's either on or off. There's no dimmer with superstars. So, Odell can't just say, oh, I'm going to just care about football and not care about how the fans perceive football and how the fans perceive the athlete and how the fans talk about the athlete. And it's just one big revolving circle. And I told him a long time ago, I said, man, you have to understand, the reason they're attacking you like this and they want you to falter within this storm of criticism is because not that they're stopping you from being successful in the field. That's going to come and go. They're trying to stop you from building an empire. Like you're you're the next up. Like it's sneaker deals. It's production. It's TV and movies if you want it. It's the music space. It's art, pop culture, social media. It's all these different things. He has true crossover appeal. Exactly. And not, and I haven't seen a lot of NFL players that do. Let's keep it real. 
How about African-American fir- NFL players that can cross over to every race, sure. every genre? Sure. Somebody from Nashville that loves country music would be like, that damn old Dale's pretty damn good. Yeah. And somebody from the hood in San Francisco would be like, hey, bro, my nigga's old Dale is the truth. Like, it, it crosses over from everywhere. And out here, it's like, yo, son, yo, that old Dale, he's mad nice, B. <laughs> like, you know, like, it, it, it's every guy, every place. Uh, and forget about York. it, when it comes to the women, like, they, yeah. they love him. They so do. when it comes to that, I think Odell has he's understood over the last two years, and I said it on the show, they love you, then they hate you, then they love you again. They'll always come back around always. if you're true to form. And this is what I said about New York and him getting traded. Whatever. Like people trade players and it's it's all up to the, the eye of the beholder. Right. But for me, it was the fact that they got rid of him. And he realized very quickly that even though you're a rock star, you're still disposable. So it puts things in perspective. And when I had a conversation with him a couple weeks ago, this is how real of a dude Odell is. He was supposed to travel to L.A. And we're on the phone just talking about life and random stuff. And he's like, I might shoot out to Arizona. I'm supposed to be in Arizona. I'm like, well, I'll be in Arizona. My my best friend is celebrating his 38th. I'll be out there. He was like, man, I might I might shoot through. That's tell you type of money you got. That's private yeah, jet money. Yeah, yeah. Like, I might shoot through you in L.A. He was in, I think he was in Cleveland at the time. He's like, yo, I'm going to be in L.A. tomorrow. I was like, okay, well, I'll be in AZ Friday. He's yeah, like, yeah, he I might shoot through. He doesn't have sky priority. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. okay, all right, whatever. I told my best friend, I'm like, yo, Odell said he might slide through. He's like, <laughs> yeah, right. So we pull up. We at the house. You know, we chilling. We pop a couple bottles, just all the fellas sitting there watching TV, trying to figure out what we're going to do that night. And sure enough, I get a call. It's like, yo, bro, what's the address? I'm pulling up. Odell comes through. Wow. And even my boys, who are grown men, some with kids. Fanboys. Fanboys. Yeah. Even me. I'm shocked. And I know him. And I'm like, yo, what's up? And I'm keeping it cool. I dap him. I'm like, what's up, bro? How you doing? He's like, yo, what's up? Where am I staying in, man? Like, one of the fellas. That's awesome. And he just kicked back and chilled. And we went out. And he didn't steal the show. He wasn't like, yo, it's me. He laid back in the cut. Yeah. And we walk in first. Odell walks in, it's a whole different ballgame. I was able to see it from like his perspective, yes. kicking it with him for the first time. You see that like uh, orange stick over there? Yeah. It's signed by Odell. It's when we had him dress up like a security guard at the Super Bowl and nobody that. knew it was him. Yeah. And what was wild was for the first 15, 20 minutes, Sims and I are watching him and he's doing it and he's like, he's got a mask on and no one knows and we're laughing. And then he pulled it down and like talked to a kid and it was like watching contagion, like yeah. watching a virus spread. Yeah. Outbreak. And outbreak. all of a sudden, everyone's looking, yeah. and it was, or that Denzel movie where like you fallen. touch someone, fallen, and like the spirit Time goes through. Time is on my side. And to watch everyone, and then to watch him be comfortable, navigate that pack, and realize... I mean, if we took like an aerial shot, it would just be all, like zombies. Yeah, wild to watch. Let me let, me take, let me take it a step further. So we're out um, in Arizona. I think we're at some day spot, just a lounge, um, eating and chilling. This girl comes up, frantic. Hey, hey, I'm talking to my son, and I'm like, damn. Man. Yeah. I got. I got to. Now let me go ahead and play bodyguard. You want to be a filter, but not an asshole. Exactly. Yes. Before I, I step in and be that asshole, Odell kind of like hits my hand down, like. Let me talk to him. Mm. FaceTime. He's on the phone with this, uh, he's so this young boy, kids. right? And he's talking to him. The kid's going crazy. Mom takes the phone. I run into that same woman like two minutes after they hang up the phone. 
tears, like welling up, like real tears. Yeah. And um, she's like, I haven't seen my son cry tears of happiness like that. That's why I'm crying right now. Oh. And then I came back and I was like, see, Odell, that's what people don't know about you. Like, they don't know that side. Yeah. They see the headlines and they run with the headlines. They don't know that side. Even so much so, in the same trip, my son, who just broke his ankle, I'm like, uh, hey, yo, I'm on the phone, FaceTime, and I'm st- I'm sitting next to him. Yeah. And he leans over and was like, what's up? He grabs the phone. And my son's eyes, Nehemiah's eyes, light up. And he's sitting there with his boot on and his crutches, and he's like, man, hey, don't worry about it, man. You're going to bounce back. You young. You young. How old are you? My son's like 13. He's like, man, don't worry about it, man. When I was 10, this happened. And he showed the same type of ankle break in the really? same place and showed him the scar. Um, and I was like, damn, this dude's going way above and beyond. My other son, now your son's Nate, like, I got the Odell injury. I got the Odell injury. Which is going to make he me a better player. He actually went to Odell's doctor. Wow. Um, and then my older son, same thing. And my wife was there, and she's just kind of like, I get that Odell's hanging out with y'all, but yeah. why is he being so friendly? The thing is, he's not being friendly. He was just being Odell. Yeah. And that right there, for me, is something that I'll never forget. Listen, if the Odell messes up, he knows I'll be critical of him. If he does something stupid on the field, I'm going to talk about it. Mm. Um, and if I feel like I got to say something to him and call him, I will. One thing I will never do, though, yeah, is act above it. Because, listen, I was a decent superstar, made decent money. And we had this conversation. I said, bro, what I did and the millions I made and being able to party and kick it and lose my mind in the streets before the social media era oh, really yeah. took shape. Like, you're dealing with what I dealt with times a million. Yes. And you're handling it great. Yeah. I was like, don't worry about it. These small mistakes, they're going to be looked at, especially as Giants fans. And I guarantee, like a few years from now, they're going to be like, damn, it wasn't that bad. It's like breaking up they're with a girl. They're already saying that. I posted video of him in his first practice, and the mentions on the Left Go Show account were it. Giants fans going, this is making me so fucking sad right yeah. now. My thing about Odell that frustrates me from the fan perspective is they don't understand how media works. Right. When you go on your social media feeds and it's videos of Odell dancing, he did not put it on your feed. All of these media companies from Bleach Report to ESPN to NFL NFL Network know that when they put Odell on the feed, it gets numbers. No so they're the ones choosing to flood your feed with Odell. No doubt. And I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with the amount of Odell coverage, right. but it's not his fault. Right. It's the same thing with like Justin Bieber. Right. Like he's not being asked to be mobbed on the street. And 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 they're not realizing that if you have an issue, it's with media companies. No doubt. It's with the teams that are choosing to put that on their social. Odell would probably like to live a very private life. No doubt. If he's dancing at a pool party, it's not his fault when all the camera phones come up. No doubt. And, and I just wish fans could understand that it's a it's a media-driven narrative that the reason you're overwhelmed. It's not Odell asking. It's not at all. And he, he doesn't want to be the face of chaos everywhere he goes. No. It's enough to be the best receiver on the field when he's playing. He's like, when I'm out chilling, like I just want to be private. I remember we were hanging out, and we it was Arizona, so it's sunny outside. It's the middle of the day. We went to a little day club, and we're chilling. We get a nice little table, a nice little booth, and I had a, a bandana, a colorful bandana just wrapped around my waist, around my belt band, and um, and he took it and put it over his head and then put his hat on. Because he realized the blonde hair in his face is going to stand out more than my boy's birthday. And I'm like, 
Odell, like you could be Odell, bro. You can steal the show if yeah. you want. He's like, nah, it's your boy's birthday. Yeah. Who he just met. Yeah. Like that's the he, type of people dude also is. need to realize he's from New Orleans. Right. Like I am very much a believer in your upbringing There's is a so determined. There's a bit of showmanship in, in people that are from But also New Orleans, New Orleans. Is, is also a very community-based, humble space. No doubt. There's showmanship, but those parades have a purpose. No doubt. You know what no I mean? Doubt. Like, it's not just... No doubt. Like, the people that go to New Orleans and right. get shit-faced and leave, they're not New That's Orleans That's the people. chaos. Yes, right. yes, yes. But they want to just sit there and kick back and all that. So no doubt. Thank you for that perspective on Odell. Yeah. Um, I have believed for a long time... That, and and you can stop me. I think you you want to talk about more than football so much, and I think you've been on this path for a long time. Yeah, I have found so many articles of you doing crossover stuff <laughs> from you were on Wheel of Fortune in two thousand four. Yeah, like that's fourteen fifteen years ago now. <laughs> I'm finding articles from your agent where you're talking about we're working on a lot of deals right now to yeah. do crossover stuff. Yeah. I feel as though not saying that football bores you, yeah. But you're. I feel like you're ready for more. Yeah, I, I definitely am. You know, I've been doing this since I was eight. You know, and um, now being removed from the game since 2014. You know, waking up and talking about football every day. I mean, it's exciting because the storylines change. But as you know, um, it's the same thing, just repackaged. It's, it's the same storylines, different players in different jerseys. That's why I do, whoa, big offseason, because every year there's a third-string tight end that might take over the NFL. It's the same thing, right? Yes. It's the same yes. storylines that we hear. There's always a, a, a new quarterback getting paid, and he's supposed to be the next one up yeah. uh, to save his franchise and take him to the Super Bowl. And the, the storyline's going forever. So for me, I'm not going to say I feel like the walls are closing in, um, but they're closing in. So uh, what do you want to talk about? Because I look at your page and I see yeah. this. I see inspiration. Yeah. I see lion's blood. Yeah. I say, what up, doe? Yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, see, yeah. I see, you're a businessman. No doubt. And you've been, I mean, ever since way back in the day, yeah. working with brands on your page. But also, it's a lot of like positive reinforcement. For sure. You're, you're very into showing familial love, yeah. fatherhood and no stuff. Doubt. No doubt. So what, what is, you know, your mission statement? What is it you want to talk about the most? When I... First entered the league, I was 21, and I thought to myself, all right, I'm going to be different than every other player. I'm going to own a restaurant. I'm going to launch some clothing lines. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm even going to rap under an alias. And I started to do all those things. Like I, I recorded a song with Macklemore when I was playing oh with the Seahawks under the, under the alias uh, New Balance. And I used to like do poetry. And, I, and then I realized, all right, nobody wants to hear all that stuff from a football player. So then when I got done playing... Le'Veon Bell's realizing that. Yeah, yeah he, got, he got lit up on social media. I mean, he just spit some bars. You ain't got to go out of tune. Like, if you're a football player, don't go out of tune. I agree. Just spit bars. If you're I an wanna, athlete, spit my, bars. My dream is to get Cole Beasley and Le'Veon Bell together oh. in a cipher and just oh. watch Cole go at it. Oh, Cole got bars I like know. that. Um, All right, so anyway, back so, to... So, yeah, so I, I, I quickly realized that nobody wanted to see um, variety out of a football player. They want to see you play football. And then when I retired... Frustrating? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then when I retired, I was like, all right, I'm going to go into TV. And I remember when I first got to the NFL Network, I was like, look, all right, here, here it is. I want to do, like, 
like animated cartoon SNL skits. You know what I'm saying? And then I also want to do like spoken word. And I also want to rap because there's these like these these hip hop recaps that are fire. You know what I'm saying? And if we can do that in the football space, like we kill it every year. And then I also want to produce my own show. I also want to do like my own my own nightly show, which is like more than sports. I mean, I have a live band, I have a co-host, and we could do celebrities. And can I, I guess what the response was? Go ahead, tell me. That's that's good. Uh, but we're gonna want you on our main news program, and we're gonna ask you about your takes on other players. And yeah. that, that's the lane we'd like you to focus yeah. on. Yeah, it, and it was almost uh, more direct than that. It was like. Just, just chill out, bro. Like, just relax. Uh, we're gonna ask you, like, how, how this post corner it was effective and how Odell made that three hand yeah. catch or the three finger catch. So, for me, I was like, damn, that's deflating. And then I thought, all right, we'll approach it like you approach football. Like, earn the respect by working harder than everybody else and show how versatile you are. So I did. And then so many years later, I did like three rap recaps. I did one for CBS, two for NFL Network. Right. I've recited poetry on my show. I, I uh, did an animated series last year yep. where I told stories, and that was uh, successful. And I'm in talks right now of creating an entertainment show that might have a sports hook. And quite frankly, this may be news to you know my employers. If it doesn't have a, a entertainment hook, then I'll go elsewhere and find that mm. because listen I was born in the 80s raised in the 90s influenced by the 2000s like it spills out when I talk I see in your posts you were more excited to interview Lady Gaga oh my gosh than anything else I saw last year for the Super Bowl you or I don't know if it was the Super Bowl you interviewed Tracy Morgan yeah and yeah. I can see in your caption and I can see in your presence yeah that fucking got you super uh, pumped listen man. that type of shit right there makes me feel alive again um, because as much as I want to make, you know, talking about football new, you can't reinvent the wheel too much. Because and people I, want it how they've gotten it. Yeah and, yeah, and and I have to respect the traditionalists who tune in and, and say, don't be too over the top. Like, it's just football. Right. Be entertaining, but don't you go left on me because I'll turn the channel. And I want to keep people tuned in. And that's, that's how I respect right. the masses who watch our shows. But when I get a call from the NFL Network and they're like, hey, yo, um, we need somebody to interview Lady Gaga. And I'm like, well, why are you calling me? Well, uh, Kevin, you know, Kevin Frazier couldn't, make, couldn't it. make it. So we, And I'm like, all right, well, still, I don't understand. They're like, well, you're one of those guys that live in the pop culture space. Like, she's doing a national anthem. I think it'd be great. Now you'd be like, Lady Gaga, you'd be like, and I'm there. And, and I'm there. I'll, when? I'll bring my own wardrobe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my own makeup and everything. And I remember doing that. Walking in after preparing like crazy with some like real subtle, subtle like additions to the questions that I knew she would appreciate. And I remember walking in and it was like Charlie Murphy describing Prince. Like she floated across the room. There was smoke on the ground. No, bro, I am not. This, a look, glow listen, came from behind I her. feel like I can walk in any room and be like a lion. Oh, <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm, I'm a Leo. Like I'm a true lion. And I talk about it all the time. Like put me anywhere. It's my jungle. I'm a dominator. Football field, that jungle, I'll dominate. The concrete right. jungle, New York, I'll dominate. But she was like the first lioness that like just looked through my soul like stole my spirit now I remember her walking in she just walked from a distance never broke eye contact which for me I feel like yes. I can win that battle and she never not broke it today, right? <laughs> not today and she was like she sat down and I remember us talking and I, I I would put her song titles in the questions, so I think at that point she realized damn this dude yeah, yeah, yeah. he did his work Yeah. and there was a moment where I knew she won and she had me flustered. Like we were, we paused the interview. We had like another six minutes left and I'm trying to be cool 
and start talking production talk. A lot of it, I don't even really know if it's, if it's real, but I wanted to seem cool in front Music of Gaga, production? right? production? Nah, just like uh, I'm talking to the producers in the team oh, surrounding yeah, yeah. me while she's sitting there. And I thought she would be on her phone talking to her handlers. She's, I'm like, all right, so we're going to stop for a second, and then we'll be right back. We're going to adjust the cameras. And she's like, she's looking at me like this. She's like, okay. So as she's looking at me, I'm like, all right. And so then I'm like, all right, be cool. Do something cool. And I'm like, all right, so uh, Tommy, we're going to come around to the one shot. Okay, yep. And we're going to Scooby-Doo to left. And okay. And then once we do the, the five-minute ro- rotational, and then after the backflip, we'll come to you the- You wanted to show that you could control I'm just it. talking yeah. out of my ass. Yeah. As I'm talking out of my ass, about 45 to 50 seconds later, I just, I, I kind of like go back to where I was to address her. Like, are you ready? And she was staring at me the whole time. And not like, not like yeah. staring like casually, like she was following my head. And then when I came back, she was looking. I never had anybody just like through me. Yeah. And my, the back of my knees started sweating. That's a tough And spot. I was like, <clears throat> I was like, oh, my heart started flooding. I was like, all right, I guess we're going to get back. To, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I guess we're going to get back to, uh, all right, let's go. Three, two. And I had to. I had to recalibrate. And I remember thinking to myself, like, damn, that woman's a gypsy. Like, she got it. She got That's the juice. Sign. I don't know. She's a, she's, she might be all of them. She, she got the juice, bro. And um, she walked away. But to your point, though, that made me feel alive. It was so different than what I was used to that I just... I felt I felt encouraged to want to do Aries. more of that. She's an Aries. I don't know. Do you know signs? Are you a sign guy? I'm a sign guy, but I don't know Aries. I don't have many of those in my life. What sign do you think I am? You might be like a Virgo. I wish. I'm a Taurus. Tor- oh! They, well, I say bullheaded. My best friends are Taurus. Yeah. Taurus and Leos get along. Yeah. Them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we're, we're similar. Yeah. We, we Vir- approach things the same. Virgos are very understanding and they're very calm. Yeah, yeah we're calm. But to, to what you were saying, though, about it's like expanding yourself. Um, You've done that? You know it? Yeah, but I think the thing when you're an athlete, I have a lot of friends that have gone through retirement and I see that struggle of identity. Yeah. And for me, like, I'm just a person on camera. And like, yeah, I've like kind of navigated that too. But like, for a lot of people, when you're an athlete, you're always an athlete. Yeah. And we're in a, in a media space where we all want to make great work. Yeah. We all want to do perennial sellers it's so that com- can last. Competitive, man. But but it's also so surface level. Yeah. And sometimes less is expected out of a former athlete, and yeah. I can imagine that's frustrating. It, it really because is because you want more. It really is. It's it's um it's my version of today's music. Like you'll you'll see a young artist, and they'll just flood us with music. They're just dropping song after song and album after album because they're obligated or contractually obligated by the streaming platforms right. or their record label. But then when you really break it down, it's like, all right, what has little little Yachty given me over the last three years that that has resonated with my right. soul? No disrespect to little Yachty. Yeah, His yeah. lane is powerful. He got a great following. But there's a there's a group of young artists that they're not doing like heavily impactful mm. stuff, which a lot of them say, I don't want to. That's yeah. not my thing. And sometimes you'll get in this business. They're as not you even know, at an age where they understand. No, no. But then, you know, sometimes people, they're in this business and they're like, I'm going to just flood the media space, which is a lot of content. Yes. And that's how I'm going to win. And that's a good strategy. I don't want to do a lot of content. No. Because I feel like at some point people are going to just drown out your voice. And to be honest, that's my fear when being in the football space forever. If I'm doing this for 20 years, 
20 years from now with, you know, salt and pepper in my beard and me talking about, man, back in 2010, it was crazy, man. Yeah. Like, people going to be like, dog, Nate, you still talking about Randy Moss, man? Exactly. It's over. Like, I wrote down, I was like, I'm not asking you a single fucking question about Randy Moss. You can't. It's fun. No, no, it's no, fun no, to talk no, no, about. No, because for me, um, like, you talked about how you put Lady Gaga's lyrics into their questions. I thought another one of your posts where after you interviewed Amari Hardwick, you felt the need to show him a question. Was it a question that you weren't able to ask? Like, was there not enough time? It was. Um, but it was yeah. one that you really put a lot of thought into and crafted. I took all and, of his movie titles and I crafted one big, long And that's question. why he reacted like that. Yeah. Uh, which is really funny because part of the reason I went from a local reporter to a national is I weaved in rap, uh, rap lyrics. Seinfeld stuff and wrestling things on three different newscasts into the newscast. Yeah. You you just make it a mad loop, yeah. Because you can understand the construct of a sentence and yeah. where you can put those things exactly. In. But I saw what you were doing with Omari was it, you're a performer, yeah. Whether it's athletics or on camera, I'm the same way. Yeah. Where but you want that notion of I see what you see, yeah. And we can see it through the same lens. Yeah. And you said, I, I want you to be my mentor. Like, yeah. I, I don't even think you just doing an entertainment show is it. Like, I don't even... A lot of people say you should know what your goals are. Right. People that say that haven't reached goals. No like, doubt. you're going to reach a goal and then you're going to go, what now? What next? Like, I don't yeah. even think you know what you're going to do. No, I don't. I don't. It, it was funny, you know, when I, I, I talked to Amari afterwards and we were uh, sitting here going back and forth and... Uh, when he's walking away, he's like, you're going to be an actor. And I'm like, ah, you know, you sound like my mom. My mom wants me to be in a movie. And he's like, nah, you're avoiding it. Nate. Like, eventually you're going to be an actor. That's what you do. You're poetic and you work well with the camera and you want to challenge yourself. Mm. And that's the most challenging thing you can do. Is it? I, I believe I believe so for me. Um, because as much as I was a performer on the field, there's a certain sense of performance anxiety I would always get, always, before every game. Because I knew there was an art form um, behind a layer behind the X's and O's. And I wanted to give people both. I wanted to be the best player I could be for my team, but I wanted people to walk away um, remembering the game. Like, man, Stylistically, they, I enjoyed watching. And that's it. So, But you're right, though. I don't know exactly what Which I want to do. Which is a great spot to be. Um, but a lot I know of people I'm get intimidated by that. No, no, no. I, I want to do it all, man. And then hearing you know Jay-Z hit the billion mark, it's like, do I want to be a mogul? Like, I'm having these meetings where I'm sitting down with multimillionaires and some of the smartest people in the world. And I'm like, maybe I should just dive into this business space and, like, give that all I got. But then, I, listen, I got caught up when I moved to New York, and I know you're familiar with this, being a West Coast guy and not knowing what this East Coast, like, really, like, hamster wheel is like, trying it's to take grind, over the bro. world every day I woke up. Yeah. And I remember, like, immediately I had, like, three jobs. And, it's the number know, one uh, thing my fiancé tries to, like, calm me down. She's yeah. like, you don't need to work all the time. And I remember waking up and, like, I had these big-ass gaps in my beard. And I'm like, damn, what's going on? Did I nick myself shaving? Which yeah. I don't shave, which is weird. So then I went to dermatologist. She's like, oh, that's uh, alopecia. And I'm like, you know, she's like, you have history of alopecia? I didn't know. She's like, yeah, you're, you have alopecia. You have big baby, baby booty clean spots on your beard um they look like crop circles so i couldn't grow a full beard and i thought to myself well i don't know why this is happening she said you're stressed and i was like i'm not stressed she's like what are you doing different i'm like oh well i wake up at four in the morning i used to wake up at seven to play football and she didn't know i played football so she gla glossed over that and then she said well you're stressed out because of your new job and you you probably want to be really good and to turn into this therapy session a dermatologist and i said no no I don't, lady i don't think you get it 
was a football player. So there was like dudes that were like 275. Yes. That would like literally try to fold so me So why in half. am I going to be as stressed with a camera? You feel me? Yes. So I'm going back and forth and she's like. My life was on the line. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, nah, but you loved football. It's different. Like this love is new. Um, so, you know, and I started looking at things theatrically because that's how I look at it. It's this new woman that I'm in love with because football, that love affair was over. Yeah. She broke up with me. She's like, yo, I've I'm heard done you with say you. that. And then, yeah. And, and I think this new woman, I was so hell bent. And I, it wasn't the job of working the morning show. It was this, this woman of New York. Like, she was, she was a lot to keep up with. And after I, I like, kind of like figured out where to put my energy and not work so much, and really, to be honest, just keep myself at the crib, that's when like my beard started growing in, like a year that's later. That's so funny. And it's crazy. I had to start turning down jobs and saying no to like make myself healthier. Qual- quality over quantity. That's exactly what we're talking what about. What is your what time do you wake up right now? Four AM. First then, alarm goes off. And then you go you you live in Jersey? I live in Jersey. It's a forty five minute commute. So I usually hop in a car around four forty five and then You get to I, the studios. Get to the studio five thirty meeting and then we're live at seven. I'm done at ten and then we have a post show meeting. I'm going over the next day's show. And then from there I, I hop in a car and I'm headed back home. Then my son is training and I go pick up my daughter at three. And then from there, it's basketball or tennis or, you know, dance. Do you flip your sleep schedule on the weekends? Or do you just go, I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. on Saturday and sleep? No, 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 I flip it. I sleep in as much as I can. Yeah. I try to. And I used to be that dude. And I think while I was stressed also, my body, like, adjusted crazy. You know, how some people say, not? hey, man, it's going to take you, like, a month and a half, two months tops. It took me, like, two years to get used to waking up at 4 a.m. And now I, uh, I just sleep in on the weekends. But I used to, like, fight my sleep. And another thing, I broke my nose when I was playing. So I was breathing, like, out of my 100% capability, I was breathing, like, 20% and didn't realize it. Wow. So I went to the nose doctor. He's like, yeah, when you broke your nose when you're playing for the Vikings, <laughs> when you were at the hospital, how did they fix it? I was like, hospital? They fixed it on the sideline. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, they took a... They put a, a stick in there and a, they... That's exactly what yeah. they did. And he said, oh, for that reason, your, your right nostril has been slowly collapsing over time. So when you have uh, allergies or you have a cold or it gets really humid in your house. Multiplied by 100. You can't breathe. And I was like, that's why I can't fucking sleep. Like, I was struggling, bro. I'm, when I say struggling, I was waking up at 4 in the morning. I was probably sleeping like two hours tops this every was night. Not, this was not your throat polyps? This was not my throat polyps. That was... That was before this. Like, I yeah, dealt with I saw, all this stuff after I got done playing. So you at one point had, polyps are cancerous, correct? Yeah, yeah. In your throat. And in you were throat. not, like, able to talk for a little bit? I wasn't able to that to come so in. So someone and... that loves to talk and tell stories and has made a career, there was no. a part of your life where that was maybe threatened. Yeah, no doubt. And That's a mind fuck. No doubt. Listen, I, I was watching a movie, A Thousand Words, the other day with Eddie Murphy, and it's a movie about a tree having a thousand leaves, and he only has a thousand words left before the end of the movie and the big reveal of what right. happens. And it reminded me of not being able to talk again. And the whole point of this movie was, you know, being a talker, being a slick talker, um, having this be a big part of who you are and what you do. How do you manage to use your words wisely? And, you know, a thousand things run through your mind when you can't talk. Just like every other surgery, when I had my ACL or I broke my right leg or I broke my arm in an accident, all these different things that happened, um, I remember thinking to myself, like, one, what did I do that deserved this? Of course. Because, you know, life's karma. So at what point did my words impact somebody else negatively or is this more of, of a call from a higher power saying, 
You're not doing enough with your words. Like everything you're doing right now is so surface. Mm. What are you doing with your words that's going to leave an impact when you're dead? Um, And then what are you going to do when you can talk again? That's going to be different than the man you were before you lost your voice. Because I might not give it back to you. And I had to think about all this stuff. And that's around the time where I was losing my facial hair and I just said, Nate, so this got to be like, better. You were on Good Morning Football at this point? I was on Good Morning Football, yeah. Damn. Yeah, and I remember coming back like two days too early and I got on and I was trying to tough it out, being eight again, hard-headed, as my wife always say, slide, get out of bounds, like don't take the extra hit. And I did it again and I got on there. I was like, Throw the towel, yeah. Nate. I was like, welcome back to Good Morning Football. And I walked off an hour later and I was like, sorry, guys, I tried. And I was like, Nate, you tripping. You came back too yeah, early yeah. anyway. Um, but this, this all... This all kind of put things in perspective, and it's all—it's all, it's all a, like a revolving door of, like you know, self-realization that you got to be better. Um, even up till this to this year, when Nipsey Hussle passed, oh man, it was super impactful on my life. Like I love his music, but I love what he stood for more. Being a young African American, father was an immigrant, and and what he did growing up in the gang culture, investing in his community, dying in his community. And then this wave of people around the world that realized, like, damn, my circumstances or even who I was or my title when I impact the impact I have on this this world. And when he passed, selling out the Staples Center and so many people, like, realizing they had to do more, like, I came to this point where I'm like, all right, Nate, if you die today, Mm. like Nipsey died, unfortunately, too soon, like, what's your legacy? Now, I know my legacy up to this point. It's, you know, some, you know, 100 people, thousands of people will say, yo, he's a damn good player. He's tough, great teammate, man. Took a lot of pride in the logo on his helmet. Like, yeah, yeah. I love that guy, man. He's a baller. There'd be, you know, 100 kids that say, man, Nate came and spoke to me. He probably won't remember this, but he, he said something to me that changed my life. And maybe, like, that that tree will bear fruit and that will help other kids. And then there's going to be family that say, Nate was never attached to his money. He's always said he'll make more. And he, he gave himself wholeheartedly to everybody around him and sacrificed a lot. Um, but then I thought, like, that's good. That's, for the average person, I guess that's, a, that's cool. But after Nip died, I was like, it's not enough, man. It's not enough. Like, what am I really doing here? I'm working in New York, and it's cool. I'm making money talking football. I got a great job on Sundays talking football with some legends. Um, but what else am I doing that's going to make an impact? Am I forever going to be the football dude that talked about football? Or will I create a legacy out of my name, out of my sport, that will transcend anything I ever did on the football field? Like, what are my kids going to think about me? Uh, you know, what are the youth going to think about me? Like, I would love to have an impact like Nipsey Hustle, and people see me at the casket and say, damn, that dude left a mark that will never be erased. Like, he doesn't even understand the impact he left. So for me, like, I had this conversation with my wife. I'm like, Nipsey's death motivated me. Mm. I started reading, and I'm not even a heavy reader. Like, recently I'm with the Barnes & Noble, and I'm just grabbing books. Like, my, my soul is hungry. My mind is hungry. What's really interesting, what you're saying is it's very stoic philosophy. So Marcus Aurelius wrote that what everyone should do is they should envision their death Mm. and they should envision what you're saying is one, what your impact is two, how are people going to react? But also like, are you going to be happy if you die today? Mm. And it's a really, it's an intense thing. It's scary. And what I appreciate for the 33%, the listeners of this show is that they're all, I, I talk to all of them in the DMS 
And just because you see somebody doing things that you wish you could do, mm. your mountaintop is their base camp. Talk about it. And so a lot of times it's realizing your mortality, one, being okay with it. Like being okay with the fact that like your life is not going to live forever, yeah. ever. But also knowing like if you're doing the day to day, you're going to go somewhere you don't want to go. Right. That you need to stop yourself every now and then, whether it's checking in on your mental health, checking in on your physical health, checking in on your the direction. Big ships turn slow, mm. and you need to look at that map and every now and then stop and go. Am I going in the right direction? Because if I'm not. This I'm on a boat, and yeah. it's a great boat, but am I going to get to the shore that I really want to get to? And what I appreciate about you saying it is is you're, you've achieved so much, you're still achieving so much, and everything is great. But for everybody out there that is sitting there going, how the fuck would I even get to that level? Right. We're all doing it. We're all doing it. We're all doing it. We're all doing it. And you should take solace in that fact yep. that that you can take a step back and you can maybe try meditation, yep. try reading a book, yep. try learning something new. Yep. Your life is not fucking determined yet. Yeah. It's not. Not even close. No, this shit is not in fucking ink. It is in pencil. Not even close. And I mean, the amount of people that have achieved, there was an actress, there's a meme that was out, this actress that was in Black Panther mm -hmm. that didn't pick up acting until she was 85 and she was in Black Panther. That's crazy. And it's like, you you don't ha it's not fucking over guys. Two chains got hot in his mid thirties. Yes, and he's one of the hottest in the game. Like, you know, it, it, you said it so perfectly, man. It's about kind of like readjusting what you're doing every so often to figure out if like the feedback you're getting is the right type of feedback. Because yeah. I can get a pat on the back for being a good football player forever, but. At one point, it got really old, and cra it's crazy because it happened overnight. I used to meet people, and if they were a fan, ego-driven athlete, you know, being a Leo, yeah. big stage, talk about me, talk about me. I would want people to tell me how I helped their fantasy or the one game where I put up three you TDs. the dopamine. Yeah, I want it. I'd feed me, put it yeah. right into my vein, right? Um, but then there was, there was a, a moment after I got done playing where, like, I didn't want that. I was fiending for someone to tell me how good I was on TV. Still the same type of drug, though. So yeah. now, what am I looking for? Like, what void am I filling? Because tell this me is I'm scary. better than Tony Gonzalez. Right? Tell me I'm tell better me. than. Tell me. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, right? And and I was like, all right, that's cool. Like, that's cool for me not to want to be looked at as a football player. That, that shows there's evolution of mind as far as me and what I'm doing. So I'm doing the right things. Now, after Nip's death, it's like, all right, what's the next evolution? Like, what do I want somebody to say when they walk up to me? Because I'm done with you telling me I'm good at football. Like I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hug and I'll say thanks. I'll sign your autograph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you tell me I'm good on TV, I'll say I appreciate it, man. Just trying to make football entertaining. Yeah, yeah. But I, I want, I want something else. And and this want is so much different than the previous. Before you telling me how good I was on TV or as a football player, it was all self-serving, very self-serving. At this point, I want somebody to tell me the impact that I have on what they're doing. And then what they're doing and how that impacts others, like, yeah. and that's that's the Nipsey Hustle effect. I it's really funny you say that about having this realization through Nipsey. I had the realization last night. Really? And okay, what you got? I don't want to get emotional. So, fuck. When they see us, mm. needs to be watched by everybody. Yes. Ava DuVernay did a piece 
about the Central Park Five, yep. about what they went through. Yep. The first episode is a fucking punch in the fucking soul. Yep. And what I mean is she edited and shot it in a way in which it's all happening so fast mm-hmm. that you as a viewer feel as though you don't have control, just like those five innocent black kids yep. and how their lives are being taken away. Yep. I mean, I saw Mahomes tweet out, man, this first episode's crazy. And I texted him and I was like, bro, this is fucking nuts. He's like, I, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. I, me and my fiance watched the last three episodes. Yeah. And I got done. And for me, it was to see how these guys' lives were taken from them. Yeah. For me to realize if I keep fucking taking this life for granted. Talk about it. It could be taken from you so quickly, not even through death. Right. And and also like to be to like share a lot of myself right now. My fiance is Nigerian. Mm. I am going to have interracial children. No doubt. They are going to experience things that I will never experience. It's inevitable. It's Good inevitable. And Good and bad. And it's it's there are lessons that I'm not going to be able to impart on them. Right. And I'm going to have to reach out to people and ask for guidance right. on how to uh, share those messages. But I thought I thought about like innocence being taken from people. Yeah. And I I kind of got done and and look, I I want to do I want to make great things, yeah. but at the same p- time I want to have an impact. Yeah. And it's and it. It's it's a scary thing. It's an exciting thing, and it doesn't minimize what we're currently doing. Yeah, but it also makes me sit back and go, okay, what the, what else can I fucking do? But that listen, man, for whatever it's worth, I don't need to commend you because you're just you're just doing what you need to do as a husband and a future father. Not but, a husband yet. Well, not a husband yet. But yeah, fiance, the wedding you know, planning. Yeah, you gotta get through that. Fuck. Uh, but you know, there's there's so many people that aren't connected to just the culture of the judicial system, quite frankly, for lack of better words, uh, fucking us over, Holy that they, they turned a blind eye to it, but you're about to be in it. You're about to be entrenched in it. And yeah. the more that you can really like arm yourself with so yeah. you can have these conversations, which these real conversations, like you talk about uh, you know things that will make you emotional. You're going to talk to your son or your daughter at eight or nine or 10, and they're going to have questions for you that you better have the answer for right because if you don't you're not doing your job as a father yeah um even me as an african-american man and and standing for the culture and and always being proud of who i am and not afraid to touch the tough topics like being inspired and reading books i have all these books i have self-help and i have the 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 religious books and the spiritual books and the the meditation books i have the diet books and the nutrition i have all these books books with purpose and, and I thought, like, okay, this is all, even though this is going to help me at some point, this is still very surface. Because mm. as a young black man, like, how much do I really know about myself? So shout out to Mike Robb, who, you know, he's one of my close friends and he works for the NFL Network. Like, he is a, he is a, a true mind of finding out where he's, where he's from and where he's going with, in regards to himself and his family. And I, I bought 100 Facts About a Negro. Mm. Um, just so I can understand more about where I came from, where my people came from, what we have provided to the world, what we have provided to this country, how we came to this country, all these different things that I didn't necessarily learn when I was in elementary or in middle school. And you know why I bought the book? Because as I was looking at all these books with purpose, I'm like, what's the purpose of reading books with purpose if I don't 
know what my purpose was when I first got here, or my right. people first got here. Right. And when my son, who's 15, turned 16, he's like, hey, yo, dad, yo, can I talk to you about something? Like, how much do you really know about where we come from? How much do you really know about the slave trade? How much do you really know about the impact of African Americans in their influence on this country? And I, And if I'm stumbling through my words and trying to Google something while he's talking to me, I didn't do my job as a parent. Right. So I'm at that point now where, like you said, when you see things that impact you, like when they see us, of course it's going to hit you in the gut. It's, it's fucking, emotional. Yeah. But it prepares us for life. Yes. It's preparing you for life. It's You don't get bigger muscles until you tear them. Mm. And I think it's important to realize that good things come from struggle. Yeah. You know, like... uh all the best things that have happened in my career have happened right after my biggest disappointment. Yeah. I was going to move to a full-time radio host in Louisville. I didn't get it because I was young, didn't have a family, and they gave it to a guy with a house because they weren't afraid he was going to leave. Wow. Right after that, I got a job uh, at, at, oh, and, and, and he had the job there for like nine months and then he quit. Damn. Um, I was going to get a job in Philadelphia and I was going to be the face of Philadelphia sports. That was my plan. That's what I've always wanted to do. And I got a phone call and it was, hey, sorry, uh, we're replacing uh, a woman anchor and we're told from corporate we have to hire a woman anchor. Mm. Crush me. Got the job at Bleacher Report. And it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's, you need to, like, I talked about this with my fiance. The reason that I can be a better man for her is because I failed in some way in all my relationships in the past. No doubt. And it, this goes to ath athletics is the biggest of this. No you doubt. Know what I mean, like no th doubt. there are no losses. There are only lessons. No doubt. And, and you don't harbor on them. You understand that there's a purpose to that and that that purpose will drive you forward as a human and then also in your craft. But I think a lot of people run from hardship. No doubt. When really... What you said about your polyps, I think, was, was the right thing is, why is this happening? Why is it happening? And you cannot control people's actions, but you can control your reaction to their actions. No doubt. And that's what you can have. No doubt. Um, I knew this podcast was going to get like this. This is, this is, this is the, what I wanted, man. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. It, it makes you feel alive, man. I it appreciate does. it. It does. Because we're, you know, it's, you either run through the motions or you stop and go, why am I running through the motions? Yeah. Uh, I purposely go home different ways every day. Yeah. Sometimes I get off at 23rd Street. Sometimes I get off at 18th Street. Sometimes when I get off at 23rd, I go down 7th. Sometimes I go down 8th because I know, I think of that old game Sims, yeah. like yeah. Sim City. We're all just doing the same shit every day. And if you don't realize that you have a path and that you can change that now path, you're getting deep. You're just going to go now on that same deep. fucking path. Are we talking about the matrix here? Oh, there's a huge matrix. Because there's, there's a yeah. huge part of who we but are. I, I do not fault anybody for being repetitive. Yeah, but it's it, we are in, we are, in one big simulation. And it's if you don't adjust your mind, adjust your body, adjust your habits, then you're going to fall into this place of complacency. And then you'll look up. Five years, 10 years from now, and you're like, damn, where did time go? Mm. You know, that's that's one thing I think everybody always says. Parents say it. Man, I'm telling you, enjoy it now because when you, when they get older, it's going to go by like that, which is true. But if you truly, truly invest yourself in the moment, it might not go by that fast. Like if you remember everything. And for a long time, as a football player, quote unquote, I was always 
going and bringing home the bacon. And I was a football player. And that's why I had to be the star. And I also had to kick it with my friends. And, you know, I take the, the family on a trip. And I take the wife on a trip. But I'm doing a boys trip, too. And it was like I was always moving and shaking. And all these moments blended. And that went by fast. Like, my NFL career went by really fast. The things I could tell you, a handful of plays, but more the locker room. Which means I didn't live in the moment too much. And I wish I would have. But now, like, when I get home... I'm so locked into the family. I'm so locked into myself. I'm so locked into the air. Do you have any air. phrases or anything that you say to yourself to snap you out? Or do you have anything that you say to yourself in the morning? Do you have any tattoos with certain that remind you of something? Like, do you have anything that you that you use as a trigger to be in the present? Yeah. Um, a, a quote that I heard when I was in high school, and it's, if better is possible, then good isn't enough. Um, so that comes with being a husband. You know, if you're, if you're a good husband... It's cool, but if better is possible, bro, then what the hell are you doing? If yeah. you're a good father, I guess that's cool. But if you could be a great one, better do it. And yeah. if you're good on TV or good on radio or good in the media space, if better is possible, you better do it. So that's like, and if you're, if life is good, then you're not, you're not living it to its potential because it's not about the money for me. Like this is how real life got for me last year. There was a 21-day stretch where I was working I remember you posting about it. Yep. And um, I got it in, bro. I was working for three different networks. Uh, I got a check from Fox, check from CBS, check from Info Network. And I did a live games, um, the color commentating. I did a CBS, of course, NFL Network. And I remember going home in January. I haven't told too many people this. Uh, and the wife was sitting on the couch. And I said, hey, you tell me right now to move back to Arizona. I quit both of my jobs and I live a regular life I wake up with you every morning help you with the kids I detach unplug um, you know kind of I have this dream I joke with her about uh, being on a farm and sh- and she said what you're tripping relax I said no no seriously I'm tired I never did this for the money we're good like we're fine and we can cut back on our spending and our lifestyle we'll be okay I set up an IRA we're yeah we're good the, the, the ladders of income are coming in babe we're good and she said, no, I think you're, tri-. I said, I'm not tripping. I called the fam in. Lil Nate, Nehemiah, Mia, come here. They're everywhere in the house. I said, sit down. What? What, dad? I go down the line. Mia, do you want to move back to Arizona? If you guys all decide as a family, I'm quitting my job. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And she said, well, you know, we got a pool here and we got a pool in Arizona. <laughs> so I really like a pool. She's on the fence. Nehemiah's like, you know, Arizona was nice, man. It was sunny. And I did like my school that I was at. I wouldn't mind it. Nate, who is, he's a lot like me. He never likes to shake things up. He's Mr. Go at the flow. I thought for sure, I would have bet everything on it. He would have said, yeah, dad, I don't like it out here. Because he's made some comments over the last few years where, because he's very passive, that it may be like New Jersey, New York, it, it sometimes could be overwhelming. Sure. Um, so I thought for sure that, He's going to be the one that tipped the scale. And I was going to listen to him because he never says anything. Yeah. And he pauses for a second. He shrugs his shoulders. And he's kind of slouching his seat. This, he's 14 at the time. He's like, no, 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 no. And I'm trying to teach him to be a man. I said, sit up. Talk with some bass in your voice. Look me in, your, look me in my eyes and tell me what's on your mind. Yeah. Because I don't want you to say I never listened to you. He sat up. He looked me in my eyes. He said, Dad, I'm going into high school next year. I have a group of friends here. I like it here. I'm tired of moving. Mm. And immediately this weight lifted off my shoulders. And the whole family went, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And I said, that's what we're doing. I said, I'll have the same. You know, we said like adjusting your sales. 
I said, we'll have the same conversation next year. And maybe next year it's not due to stress. It's just due to me figuring out if this is what I really want. Yeah. And um, I said, we're, we're here. We're staying. And that day, like, I went from, like, being exhausted, like, oh, man, let me sleep for two weeks to just, like, all right, what are we doing tonight? Yeah. And, like, my family reset me in that moment, man. And it's, it's like, shit can get real, man. Yeah. It can get heavy. So yours is a farm in Arizona? It's No, my wife's from Arizona. Oh. Um, but it's a, it's a farm. My wife wants to live on water deep in the future. Sure. We're trying to find a place where you can get a farm on water. I think it's Hawaii. But... I want to be on a farm, and I'm not any type of yeah. agricultural dude. Yeah. Um, but the the idea of having spotty service and a few channels yeah. and technology not r- ruining your world like an episode of Black Mirror, yeah. like that intrigues me. My give it all away is, I, I joke around with my fiance all the time, let's just move to Anguilla and be bartenders. Oh, nice. And just, like, be on an island. Sounds like, great, doesn't it? We have it? enough money that, with the way it is down there, we'd be able to just live. And Wouldn't life be good? We'll just bartend, and we'll we'll handle tourists, and then hang out with the you locals. You have, like, five and, sets of clothes. Like Yeah. Just uh, go to the beach every day. That And that, that sounds, sounds like... Sounds great. It sounds great. It sounds great. But then people are going to listen to this and go, Nate and Lefko already have two jobs that I wish that I could have. And I don't think that either of us take it for granted. Which is why we're in a position where we work our ass off to provide the best form of entertainment to the people that are listening and watching us. Yeah. I'm going to end it there. I felt good. I felt Nate, I appreciate you coming in, uh, making time in your schedule. That's insane. You've been up since 4 a.m. today. I hope that the 33% has enjoyed it. And with this, okay. I'm going to send it off real quick. Hey. I can do this shit, and my rhymes always stick. Hey. The L-E-F-K-O hey. to the E. Hey. Hanging out with the N-A-T to the E. Hey. I can make the flow go okay. so you know if you want to go. Mm. I can go whether it's sunny, whether it snows. Uh. I can catch a pass from Carson Wentz, uh. and I can do this shit again and again. And mm. he can look real deep and find mm. a D-Jack. He can go to Sproles because he's playing in the back. Hey. Maybe hit Ertz across the middle. Alshon Jeffrey is never playing that a second fiddle i could do a little ray diddle diddle and make it feel so good and i got a center like okay. former eric wood hey i see what you did there see that was ill that philly flow something like meek mill these is bars off the top of the dome i'm chilling in about 45 minutes i'll be home but shit i'm grown yeah it got kind of heavy Everybody talking, but they not ready, see? We put in work from the a.m. to the p.m. And chill, girls, don't slide in our DMs. Because hey. we in love, we got the ladies. And I know how y'all get some of y'all women shady. But to all the queens, we showing you love. Me and Lefko, all of the above. Ah, 33% y'all of the shit. Hit up Nate Burleson on social. Tell him how much you appreciate him being on here. To all the homies, holla, holla, holla. We'll holla at you later. Facts. <laughs>